Hi there, welcome to Glenelg Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Um, hey, look, we're in a series on Ephesians, and uh, Pastor Shannon um, preached last week and sort of got us into the book of Ephesians. And today I'm going to be focusing on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. So if you've got your Bible, you can get it open to that. Let me get rid of this. I like to move around a little bit. Okay. So look, I remember when I was young. And when I say young, I'm talking around sort of the age of four, five, maybe it was six. But I remember in the evening, kneeling beside my bed with my sister and with my mum. And my mum would pray for us before we went to sleep. Now, I only have a vague memory of that, and I don't remember a lot of the prayers that my mum prayed. But there's one prayer that's etched in my mind from those, from those days, and that's the Lord's Prayer. You know it. Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now here's a little gold nugget for parents who are tuned in this morning. A little gold nugget. And that is this, that that seed that my mum planted in my life when I was four, five, or six, isn't it incredible that over the seasons of my life, good and bad, that that seed has blossomed inside of me to enable me to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Parents, don't be afraid to sow the seed of faith in your little ones because it will blossom one day. And this is exactly what Paul is doing. Because, you know, in this, this Lord's Prayer that I remember that's etched in my mind, what it does, it, it reminds me of who I am, my identity in Christ, my, and it reminds me of who God is. And I often pray this prayer when I'm driving um, or it's the start of a prayer session for me. I'll use that prayer just to get me going because it reminds me of who I am in Christ. And this is exactly what Paul is doing in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Paul is establishing a vision for their identity in Christ. He's reminding the believers in Ephesus of their life of faith and to which they have been called. Now, there's a couple of things about this prayer, which I'm going to read out in just a moment, that you need to understand. Firstly, this prayer smashes, absolutely obliterates the barriers, the boundaries set by the Greco-Roman culture of the time. And by human traditions, or we might say today human mandates, that kept people apart. Now also, as I read the prayer out, I want you to listen for three very important elements. One, listen for God the Father. Listen for the Holy Spirit. And listen for Christ. You can follow along with me if you've got your Bibles. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
I kept asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and in and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all these things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Did you capture it? Did you capture it? Did you hear God the Father in there? Did you hear about Christ? And did you hear the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, all three working together? Let me give you some context again, and I know Shannon did this last week, but I want to give you some more context so you can understand the prayer that Paul is praying here. So the believers in Ephesus had a hard time giving up some of the witchcraft that they'd come to trust in. The temple of Artemis was built in the city and it dominated religious life. It was so big and so grand that it was one of the seven wonders of the world. Christians in Ephesus, they're, they're trying to follow Jesus in a city that is ruled by a foreign religion. And so you can see how they might struggle to completely live out their faith in Christ in that situation. That changed, however, when some men called the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. But they didn't actually believe in Jesus. And so rightly, the demon spoke to them and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the demon attacked them. They ended up running out of the house, naked and bleeding, and this scared everyone. So much so that the believers brought all their witchcraft scrolls and they burned them in the street. After this, the silversmiths in Ephesus started a riot because they were afraid that Paul was going to ruin their business selling idols to Artemis, which is true. That's exactly what Paul was doing. This riot led to Paul leaving Ephesus. So what do you think about this? Do you think it's good news? Do you think it's good news when Paul hears that the believers in Ephesus still place their faith in Jesus and are still loving each other in the context in which they live? You bet it's great news. It's good news today, right? When we still put our faith in Christ... And we still love one another in the context of the situation we find ourselves in today. It is great news when we do that. You know, today we face temptation after temptation to turn us away from Jesus and to stop one loving one another. You know, every day we get these subtle messages telling us to give up on Christ. The church is a dying institution. The church is full of people who hurt me. The church just wants my money. The church just isn't meeting my need. You know, there's no more powerful tools that Satan has than to turn your heart from loving Jesus 
and to turn your heart against one another. It's in this context, which is very similar to our context, that Paul is constantly and consistently praying for the believers in Ephesus. And in verses 15 and 16, he says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people. Now, faith, this is an act of trust in what God has done and in what God will do. Now, I want you to understand this. Faith and love are tied together. It's like a marriage. They're tied together. Paul is thanking them not for the warm fuzzies that they've got towards each other, but for a love that is an, a love of action, born out of their faith in Jesus Christ. Family, is this not our most motivation as well? Is our motivation for loving one another, does that not come from our faith in Christ? For what he has done and what he will do? Faith that leads us to love in action? Surely that's our motivation as well. Now there are four really important vital truths that come out of this faith and love in action that we need to be reminded of. The first one is that you may know God. Verse 17, that you may know God. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Why? So that you may know God better. So that you may know him better. You see, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, what this is, this is the activity of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And Paul is praying for the believers that they would know God better by being filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom. Now, if you want to look up the spirit of wisdom, go to Acts chapter 6 or Acts chapter 8 verse 12. There it talks about the spirit of wisdom. And by understanding revelation, God's word. The Holy Spirit, you see, opens our eyes. This is called illumination. It's kind of like illumination is when the light goes on. You know, it's dark, you switch the light on and bang, everything's illuminated. So the Holy Spirit illuminates our eyes so that God can speak into the very center of who we are through his word. When Jesus came, this is interesting because when Jesus came into this world, he's described as a dawning of a new day, the breaking in of the light of God. John chapter 1 verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John 8 verse 12. When Jesus spoke to the, again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, apart from Christ, the eyes of our hearts are closed and dark and clouded with the darkest of sin. Which is why Paul is praying, I keep asking God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, oh, no, where is it? No, he, excuse me, team. That I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That the darkness would be gone, that you would have the light of God in your heart. How do you do this? You receive Jesus. When you receive him, your eyes are enlightened so that you can see. And this is so you can know him better. 
It's so you can know God better. Paul also described God as the glorious Father. Not just God the Father, but the glorious Father. You've got to take hold of that. See, God is worthy of all glory. He is the source of all good things. He is the creator God. He is the one God. He is the glorious Father. And that knowledge alone, when we pray, should bring us in awe when we pray. So the first thing is that you might know him better. The second truth of this is that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people. Everything we have, family, is dependent on, on God and his initiative. 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. From the beginning of time, God has been calling men and women into a love relationship with himself. That calling continues today. It has not stopped. Our hope is centered in God and our destiny yet to be revealed is in God. Let me remind you of what you have in God. You have been redeemed by God. You have been chosen by God. You have been adopted by God. You have been made heirs by God. You have been sealed by God. You have been called to partake in the salvation of God and to belong to God's family, the church. We've been called to live in the revelation of that hope. And then out of verse 18, it also says that you may know the third rich truth you need to know, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance. God wants you to know the wealth and riches of what it means to be God's inheritance. To know what it means to be the people of God. So again, let, me, let us consider a few things here. Being in God's family means that we will see Jesus face to face. It means that we will be in the presence of God. It means that we will be in the comfort of God. It means that we will be joined with the disciples of Jesus who have gone on before us. It means rest from our labors. It means every pain in this life will be resolved. It means seeing the reward of all we have been striving towards. Being the people of God has no end to the vast wealth of blessings that God has for us today and in the future. We are valuable to God because he purchased us in order to inherit us. Here's the last truth that we need to know. It comes out of verses 19 and 20. It says, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God has put all things under Christ's feet. 
and gave him to the church as head over everything. Who's the head of Glen Eden Baptist Church? It's Christ. It's Christ and Christ alone. The church has authority and power to overcome all opposition because Christ is our leader and is our head. We have this power and authority because we believe that he is the Lord of all. Ephesians 1.19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. We have power and authority because we believe in Christ. You've got to grasp this. We can catch a glimpse of just how powerful God is in what he has done for Jesus. God's incomparable power raised Jesus up from the depths. This is called resurrection. This is resurrection power. The same power not only raised Jesus from the dead, but raised them up into the heavenly places and seated them on the throne at the right hand of God. That's called the ascension. That's ascension power. So we have resurrection power and ascension power, and they're both available to those who believe. So what is resurrection power? That's a really good question. Resurrection power is believing that God can save my family members, my co-workers and friends, no matter how far from God they seem. Resurrection power is believing God can give me the hope I need to keep going in depression. Resurrection power is believing God can heal communities broken by violence. Resurrection power is believing that God can save a loveless marriage. Resurrection power is believing that God can rescue me from my addiction. Resurrection power is believing that God will one day raise me from the grave. If our Heavenly Father can raise Jesus from the grave, then friends, there's nothing that God can't do. So if that's resurrection power, Pastor Gary, what's ascension power? Another great question. Ascension power is believing Jesus is ruling supreme over all of reality on the throne in the kingdom of heaven. Ascension power is believing Jesus is bigger than your scariest demons or nightmares. Ascension power is recognizing I don't have to be afraid of our government or a controlling family member or boss because Jesus sits on the throne. Ascension power is believing God can save a nation and a world that's been torn apart. Ascension power is trusting the church and its ministry to Jesus because it's his body. Ascension power is knowing my future is secure because Jesus has it in the palm of his hands. Friends, we have access to Jesus' power. If you have confessed your sins and put your faith in him and received his resurrection as your own, then you have access to resurrection power and ascension power. Praise God. Verses 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which was his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. By his resurrection and ascension, Christ is exalted to be Lord of all. He is the head of all things for the church. The church is his body, intended to express him to the world. The church is intended to be the full expression of Christ by living filled by him whose purpose is to fill everything there is. 
Is your life full of Christ? Is your faith rooted in Christ? How is your love for one another? Remember the hope to which you have been called. The inheritance that is ours. And remember that you have access to God's power. It's available to him. All of this is available to you. Why? So that you might know him better. Which is exactly what Paul is doing in this prayer. Everything is to remind the believers in Ephesus in the situation in which they live that they can know God better. I want to finish today by praying for us as a church. So let's bow our heads. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.